It's another edition of the Cause I Have To podcast when living your dream is the only option. We are up to episode 88. I gotta say, we're feeling great. It has nothing to do with these cocktails that we've got going during this episode. Yeah. Um, we are going to bring on a Texas native. Uh, she's a wife, a mother of four, who moved to LA over 15 years ago to pursue a writing career. Uh, took some jobs in other fields while still working on her craft. But then she took a leap of faith, Jason Friday, in 2020. He sure did. Yeah. <laughs> and went to grad school to fully pursue her dream. Uh, recently received her master's in screenwriting from USC and is now a staff writer for CBS hit series, The Equalizer, which is on Sunday nights. Please welcome Vanessa Heron. Heron. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. We're going to dig into this big leap of faith and how you are living your greatest passions. That's all coming up. Welcome to the Cause I Have To podcast. When living your dream is the only option. Welcome to season two. We are your hosts. I'm Jason Friday. I'm Julie Slater. This podcast is about facing your fears, digging deep inside yourself, and following your passions. We hope to give you a push to live your dreams. Now let's get back to it. And we're back. Okay, Vanessa Heron. Heron. Yes. Heron, we've been going over to the Heron. Uh, should we put like a French? Is it part French? Is it kind of French? You know, I won the French award in high school. So if oh, you want to do possibly. it that way. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say as a joke, it's probably like Creole. So it's like French, you know, Southern French, basically. You but know, it's probably not. Well, yeah, I was going to say I am part Creole on my dad's side. Oh, oh. Um, but that name, his name, our, my maiden name is Kenan. Heron is okay. my husband's name. And I think it's Irish, I guess. Because oh. of the slavery thing, so got it. Oh boy, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Not that's real. for a, that's for another podcast. That's a whole say, other podcast. Yeah, that is, and that is definitely not Creole at all. Okay, got it. <laughs> uh, I did want to put some background in. It's funny. Um, one of my first news jobs was at uh, KFI in Los Angeles, and that's where Vanessa and I worked. I was a news anchor. Were you an editor? I was a news editor. Yes. Yeah. There. Interesting. So uh, is that where you jumped off of? Because I, yes. re- I can remember you leaving. I don't know if I left first or you, you did. We I both, remember we you both got leaving. the hell out. No, I'm <laughs> yes. I love everybody at KFI. They're great people. But yes. uh, yeah. Um, you definitely left first, Julie. Oh, okay. <laughs> I jumped off. I was like, <laughs> oh, see ya. Yeah. And then you were like, where's she going? Oh, I'm going to go too. No, I was um, jealous. Yes. Um, I would have to say, I don't know how much you want to say about it, but just the fact that you were like um, able to do it and and take that leap of faith yourself, it was inspiring for other people, just so you know. That's really awesome because I will say um, there was some things going on for me at that time and I took a leap of faith without any plan. Like I definitely, uh, there wasn't anything in place. I just took the leap of faith. That's what I, I remember. And I will say, um, I've been in the last six years, even before KFI, kind of reinventing myself in many ways. And 
and and I'm still finding my uh, footing in some ways, but I've seen some great success. And it's been, it is t- to really, to not, to stop doing what you always, so I was always a commercial radio DJ, mm-hmm. to stop doing that and to pursue other things. So, you know, I will admit too, though, that my old job as a commercial DJ has changed over the years and it's not the same and it doesn't seem to a few people make good money, but it's a lot of people working 20 jobs instead of just being the DJ. They're like the program director and the music director and, you know, they sweep up at night. Um, But (laughs) so the career itself isn't the same, but but letting go of something that was very comfortable, even though at a commercial radio station, I was kind of tired of playing the same music. And, and now I work at a public radio station where the music is really, really awesome. And I love it. And I get to like, Hey, I found this band. Let's put this on. Oh, I want to play tracks off this brand new album all week long. Can I do it? It's really, it's a breath of fresh air, but anyway, that's awesome. No, this, I'm that this actually warms about, my heart to hear. <laughs> this podcast no. is about you. I forgot. Yeah, I was gonna no, say I, our no, guest is Julie Slater. <laughs> I'm sitting here like so. <laughs> no, but it's good to catch up with you, Julie, because I tell you, I worked on the music side before I went to the talk side, and I know what you're talking about. The playlist was like the same twenty or thirty songs that yeah. you know everybody had to play across the country actually when i by the time i was doing it and uh, just bringing yeah. back independent music and bringing back emerging artists and being able to bring yeah. back deep cuts that's awesome yeah. yeah yeah it is and and even me being on like the outskirts of that it's i dig it and i even get to be yeah, he comes on every friday because his last name is friday so we yeah. do friday on friday and he comes on and we do a little bit and then he picks a song and we play yeah. it really oh that's so cool where yeah. how can i listen to you i know it's I it's 88.5 fm in los angeles hello you're in los angeles <laughs> um you can stream i'll let you know you can stream it at 88.5 fm.org there's also an 88.5 a free app that's better because you don't have to worry about catching the signal but i'll let you know cool okay we'll talk. um okay so uh 14 minutes later um <laughs> Have you always, uh, I guess, so I always, I don't ever, I'm kind of starting to get into, I don't ever want to assume what someone's going to say. So I start off, we start off with what are your truest passions? And I guess I would say, is it writing or, you know, what is it? I would say my truest passion is, is just telling stories that kind of put people in a place where they want to think about it afterwards. Um, so it's not just for the small screen. It's not just for the big screen. Um, it, maybe I also, I, we have some books in the works, uh, so some novels. So it's really just about storytelling in general, but whatever medium I can use to, to kind of tell those stories that either bring people together um, or that resonate in a way that kind of give them something to think about after they've walked away and the next day, you know what I mean? Those are the kinds of stories I aspire towards. Um, and in different ways. So, you know, besides writing, which is my primary thing, I've also fallen in love with directing now. Oh, nice. Um, so oh. just, yeah, so the, the whole thing of, and even music, I've been a songwriter since I could talk. So just being able to tell stories in whatever format or medium that I can, to me, that's my, that's my North Star. 
it's kind of neat if you start directing your own stuff you've written because it's sort of like story on story you know like a director also is telling a story and the writer but if you're both that's you know yeah you have a lot that's of liberties so true. yeah it's good and bad because i mean there's a story they say they say that's a story you write there's a story you you actually shoot and then there's the actual film that you edit but the the thing that's bad about it is there's no one to tell you no if you're doing everything oh yeah there's no one to say oh that doesn't make sense <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah. a little longer that kind of sucks there's nobody to tell you those things so you know you kind of if you notice like some of the more auteur filmmakers their stuff runs longer and some of it's awesome like it's incredible yeah. but there are yeah. those who could have benefited from maybe some other some some more feedback sure you know um it's funny i took a screenwriting class like a ucla extension course and that's where i learned you mentioned editing mm-hmm. it's shocking to me to know so you know I learned that first of all when you write let's say you're just doing a screenplay when first of all when you give that over to someone else and sell it yes I remember my teacher saying it's like giving your baby up for adoption you don't get to talk to the baby ever again (laughs) I tell you it's the toughest thing but I didn't know you went to UCLA for, I, I just for, took one, one, one class. I do have, I have these dreams. I haven't really pursued. I, I came up with 10 really great pages and the guy said, all right, these are amazing. Now give me another hundred. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> you really should have your own episode, Julie. There's a lot, there's a lot in you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a lot of stories yeah. to tell. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, um, I forgot the question. <laughs> well, I was just saying that, that there's so many aspects it's so crazy how a movie ever even gets made because so you have the writer. So the writer oh, maybe yes. gives up, gives up the script and, and then the other people get to do whatever they want to it. Mm-hmm. But then I also learned, which was shocking, is that a director directs the film and then some other producer can come in and be like, I'm going to edit this the way I want. And they completely change the movie. That doesn't make any sense at all. So that's where you get your, your director's cuts from yeah. know, sometimes. And you say, oh, this is a little different. Like it's, it's either longer or they added some things that were left out of the final cut that you saw in theaters. Exactly. But what you speak of, Julie, is more of the feature world. So in the feature world, you do write that script. You give it to the director or whoever's going to take it from you. And you really don't have a say after that. But on the TV side, it's the exact opposite. Oh, really? On the TV side, the writers are the bosses. So that's why you're doing some TV. You're like, right? I want to be in control. Uh, oh, it all makes sense. <laughs> and that all makes sense. Uh, but on the TV that's side, great, so yes, it is because the directors are revolving. So, you know, you have oh. different directors for different episodes because there's just so much to do. Um, to direct one episode is a lot. So one person can't typically do all the episodes. You have a few exceptions to that, like especially in the streaming world and, and all that. But by and large, the writers, um, they go through the ranks, they rise through the ranks to become the showrunners. And they oversee the budget, they oversee production, they hire the directors, they hire- Is a showrunner like a producer? Um, Or is a producer, a producer does, I mean, I've learned a little bit about this LA stuff, but mm -hmm. I think most people listening might not know, like a producer might just be the person who funds it, but is Uh, it- Typically, if you are the person who funds it, you're the executive producer. Mm. Okay. Uh, And that's also dealing with feature. 
um, on the TV side, uh, you can have several people who are producers who are just writers, but that's just one of the titles in the hierarchy. Oh. Um, if you keep going, you'll go from being a staff writer to being a um, story editor to being an executive story editor. And then you can become a co-producer, producer, supervising producer, and, and then executive producer. And it just goes up the ranks that way, but nothing, nothing may change. It just depends on how the show is run. Yeah. It could be that you are now a producer, but you're not doing anything differently than what you were doing before. You just, you just have a different title. But on the feature side, <laughs> yeah. when you're producing, you are putting all the elements together. There are different kinds of producers on the feature side. There are line producers. There are those who are consulting producers on both sides. It's a lot to kind of keep track of. Um, but once you kind of figure out the lane you want to be in, it becomes easier. But still, still kind of complicated. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. It also makes sense why credits are about 37 miles long. Of- yeah, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. That's why it's amazing like, anything gets made, right? Yeah. It's amazing that anything yeah. gets made. Yeah, really. So Definitely. you met, you mentioned you've been songwriting since you were a kid. Is that where your mm-hmm. writing began? Um, that and short stories. Um, because my dad's a minister. Um, I was born in Corpus Christi, Texas. We moved to Fort Worth uh, when I was a little older. I want to say I was eight or nine when we moved. But when we lived in Corpus Christi, we lived in a parsonage and it was haunted. And part of what we were dealing with in this haunted house was just crazy things that didn't happen anywhere else and we couldn't move. So it was kind of so strange Did you just start writing? Yes. Oh when I realized that my friends weren't having those similar experiences in their homes and they were kind of freaked out, suddenly people didn't want to sleep over. Um, <laughs> I started to understand that, okay. How did you feel? Were you comfortable in that house? <laughs> My mom did a good job of like trying to kind of shelter us a little bit, but we were well aware that there were things happening that were not, not quote unquote normal. Um, But to that end, I will say um, one of the things I started to do was kind of tell stories and and write little short stories um, and poems, even um, kind of venting and and expressing some of the confusion (laughs) that I had about all of it. Um, So that's kind of the, the birthing of my writing really started there. But yes, music was always in our household. So, and everybody wanted was a singer of a different of a sort. My mom was a soprano. My sister was was beginning to singing. She still is. So it was just something to to do. It was just a natural el- element of it, or or progression of singing is to start writing what you sing. So that's I dig how it. it started. Yeah, no, that's great. I didn't then, know about that you could get paid to be a TV writer until much later. Oh yeah, <laughs> much right. later. So you couldn't have told me that at the beginning, huh? Just uh, right, bird the leak. Gonna find out late, <laughs> late bloomer. Yeah, I wonder if kids, when they're watching all these kinds of even animated films, like if they even understand that you could do all that. You could be the yeah. actor in it. You could be the person doing the animation. And, Honestly, yeah. I think probably not many children think of it that way because they're not being told that. I think if you were raised out here. And your mom's a producer, your dad's a writer. Oh, I mean, yeah. It's a different thing to be raised out here in Hollywood. Oh my gosh, realm. Jason yeah. was raised in Hollywood. He, so you know Jason. He yeah. went to school, like high school, with like the most creative. <laughs> Everyone was like, I went to something and I was just like, this this is how you grew up. Like everyone was a dancer, a singer, an actor. A, it was just like, what in the world? Yeah. Yeah. It's quite a rich environment. Uh, meanwhile, like 
yeah but that was like so normal to me i'm like oh i mean everybody does this right everybody's i mean it was you're not kidding though just talent in all artistic forms yeah pretty did you go to school with anybody famous did anybody become famous um a few people but oh god what's her name Allison Sadal was she oh. was in uh Beast uh, what's that Beast movie uh something Beast with uh I don't even watch that but anyways Beauty yeah. and the Beast <laughs> No it's um <laughs> it's the guy it's it's almost like a like a oh god if people hear this they're going to get mad it's almost like a <laughs> Harry Potter like fantasy thing but oh where um, the guy like goes in his suitcase and travels it's on HBO Max. I know yes. what you're talking about. Yes, that Beast one. Of Fantastic's the, Beasts of Fantastic Beasts of the... Yeah. Yes, that the, So Okay, so she's not that famous. I'm surprised you don't have more, way more famous people. I would think I you would have. Yeah. Um, you're disappointing us, Jason. No, I know. I mean, well, growing up, what my my childhood friend, Brian Price, was the kid in the Nestle Quick commercial. So he was, like, huge. Because Nestle Quick was the greatest thing. You know, it continues to be 90s and it still, yeah, continues to be, I'm sure. Um, I know I'm trying to, I I don't know. I think I knew maybe more famous musician people, but yeah, Yeah. I don't know. All right. It's it's tough. There's too many to shuffle through, I think. (laughs) So uh, Vanessa, when you moved to Mm -hmm. LA, you said you moved over 15 years ago to pursue writing. So then what were you pursuing at that point? What kind of writing? Initially, when we came out here, um, so at first, I, I have to backtrack a little bit, I guess, because, oh, let's see. <laughs> One of our anniversaries, I want to say it was our seventh anniversary. I got married very young. And so it was our seventh anniversary, I think. And my husband got me some screenwriting software, which was so romantic. Uh, that's get. very sweet, uh, though. I, mean, well, I don't know if you were saying that's romantic for real, but that actually. No, I wasn't. Very, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that's very sweet. He wants you to pursue your dreams. You know, yeah. it, it really, he, saw, he, he was able to see the future. He was able to see more than what I could see in that moment. Oh, um, but he, he got the software and that really started me. That's what really got me started, like trying to write my first screenplay and trying to work, write my first scripts. And from there, um, initially, we were all just wanting to make movies. That's what we thought we were going to do was make movies. Um, and we're still going to do that. But like uh, coming out here, I had an opportunity to like be a PA or get started in a writer's room on a show because someone at TCU, Texas Christian University, there was a professor there that I bogarted his office and asked him for help because I'm like, I want to write. I want to do this. And he was like the, the uh, writing professor there. And he'd introduced me to one of his former students who was already out here working on a sitcom. And that's kind of what gave us the courage to come on out. Um, so I say that to say I was willing to do that then. Like I was like, hey, if I can work right on a TV show, that'd be great. Um, but when that didn't pan out, when we moved out here, that job was already gone mm. by the time we got out here. But um, so we immediately started working on features because my husband got into being a camera guy. He joined the union. He was doing that. We had these four kids. And so for me, Did you have the four easier. kids after you moved here. <clears throat> no, we already had with them. them. We oh, already wow. had them. They were all, that's, they were that's young. That's a big deal. Steps. Moving with four kids to Los Angeles to live your dreams. It that, is. That's, that's step number. Wow. That is, <laughs> <laughs> am I right? Am I right? No, that's yeah. That's intense. <laughs> it was. 
Wow. Trust me when I tell you, it was. It was uh, we knew nothing about California. We, we try to research a little bit, but just so you know, like there's so many things. If you're in the Midwest and you are looking for stuff about LA, it's all bad. I mean, like there's some good things. <laughs> But at the time, at the time, like you were seeing all the stuff about gangs and you were seeing all the stuff about the, all these fires in California and just all like, these nothing- things are still happening. And then- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. By the way, <laughs> it just didn't, it just seemed scary. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I asked a couple of my friends who lived out here, like, what are some good neighborhoods, communities? And they were the ones who kind of put me, pointed me towards Ventura County. Um, so we oh, kind of nice. came out here. Literally, that was a leap of faith in and of itself, just even coming out here. Um, and so while he was working on set, those hours are so unpredictable. It would have yeah. been, for me, tough um, to try to get into TV at that time. So I started out trying to write features and, and writing features mostly. Um, and I had one of my scripts was optioned and um, I got a few writing assignments over the years, but mostly I was hoping to break into the feature world for the flexibility of being able to work at home and, you know, take care of the kids, whatnot. So um, that was, we took a little turn to the feature world because of that. Um, now the kids are older. And so I'm now like able to do, and of course everything changed even before the pandemic, I want to say things changed, but for sure yeah. with the pandemic, TV became everyone's saving grace. Um, you couldn't right. go to movie theaters anymore. You couldn't do all that right. stuff, but you could sit in your home and still have some entertainment. And you needed that because especially during the lockdown time, there's nothing else to do. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, um, <laughs> although hard to film anything to keep definitely. it going, although it didn't yeah. seem like there was too big of a blip. They must've really gone through some big hoops to keep stuff happening. It helped that there were already some things produced in the pipeline and waiting for release. And, and so maybe then, more things got released than they would have. Right. I think know, so. Maybe yeah. they would have gotten canceled, but they're like, oh, we need that. Get over here. Yeah, exactly. And then they had the COVID protocols, which were very careful. If you re- if you kind of pay attention to like some of the TV that was coming out during that time, it's like one person <laughs> oh, <laughs> in a room yeah. talking to another person. A lot of phone calls. <laughs> right, right. Um, that's because funny. they were trying to like meet all these protocols to kind of isolate and, and not have the big crowds and the big groups and the classroom settings and all that stuff. So um, it was an interesting time in TV. We'll look back, you know, in a few decades and just see all these solitary, you know, somebody buried in a in a casket trying to get out for two hours. Like <laughs> we'll look back at those stories. And yeah, see. right. Yeah. Oh, oh that's my God. funny. Yeah. So then what was happening when you said you took a leap of faith in 2020? What was going on? in your life that you had to make a big decision? So my kids had started college and um, I was still working at the radio station and the pan, well, actually this is before the pandemic, actually a few months before the pandemic, it was like November of 2019 when the application was due for USC. And over the years, my husband had been saying, that's the place to go. He wanted to go to USC. And I always thought that's the school that he's going to eventually get his master's from. Um, and I didn't always, I didn't really see it for myself. I saw it more for somewhere that he could go. Maybe the kids would want to go to USC because we had been kind of teaching them the craft over the years of, of writing, of filmmaking, of photography. We thought they might, you know, be interested in, in USC. But um, I always thought it was out of my reach. And the reason I felt that way was I had a tough last semester of my undergrad years 
And I thought, okay, the GPA, I, I looked it up and the top and the, the average GPA was like 3.875 to get in. And, you know, I, I was reading also a lot of people that were there had like a lot of Hollywood connections and just already were like, you know, legacy students. And I just thought, I don't know anybody. <laughs> I'm yeah. not related to anybody right. um, that went to USC. Um, but I, I uh, didn't want to say no to myself. That was the decision I made was that if they're going to tell me no, that's on them, but I'm not going to say no to myself. I'm going to at least apply. I'm going to at least try. So um, I applied and I just kind of, you know, said prayer, send it on. Um, and surprisingly, I shouldn't say that. My husband <laughs> tells me to stop saying that, but that, yeah. like I was accepted. Yeah. Um, and I was still at the station at this time. And I found out in March and during this time, as you know, the pandemic was just becoming really real for everybody yeah, of 2020. Sure. Um, so, um, it was a time when I was giving, being given advice of, do you want to, um, quit your job at this time? Because, you know, there's a lot of instability. We don't know what's going to happen. And, you know, at least was that from the station or from your people in your life? Yeah, I don't, oh. I'm slow to say, yeah. um, but yes, from, from a couple of coworkers, um, yeah. and, and, um, my parents didn't really understand all of it. Like they were just like, wait, you're going to do what? <laughs> you're going to quit your job <laughs> and do what? Yeah. Um, so it, it was more like, you know, we don't really under, fully understand what the plan is. But my husband was always encouraging. It's like, quit, do it. Why haven't you already quit? You know, <laughs> so, yeah, right. um, do it. Go ahead. I mean, that's um, great. Yes. Yeah, that is yes. great. That's awesome. It was really actually to me, it was pivotal to the decision to 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 go forth and, and just see what happens. Um, so I made the decision to quit and it was like, okay, I had two kids in college and um, here I go <laughs> going to college myself and it's not a cheap school by any means. Um, so I wasn't even fully sure how it was going to be paid for besides taking out a whole lot of loans, um, but just, made the decision yeah, that went we, for we came yeah we came here to do this life is short um anybody who's had like any type of not a I hate to say brush with death but anytime you've like really been able to like realize just how fragile life is you don't take it for granted that every day you live you're yeah. one day closer to the last day that you're on this planet um and so just being fully aware of that and wanting to like not make um not make not be that person on their deathbed saying I wish that I had done this and I wish I'd had the courage to do this or I wish I tried this um that was a big part of it for me also and so just taking that leap and making the decision to go and then finding out also that the first year was going to be all on zoom was actually that, how'd you feel about that so a lot of people had a problem with it like there were petitions um to like get reduced tuition because of it or you know they felt like it wouldn't be the same experience but I can't speak for everyone, but I'll say for myself, it ended up being a blessing because I live, as I told you, in Ventura County. So going to LA, going to USC every day would have been a one and a half hour commute there and one and a half hour commute back. Oh my gosh. Um, That's at the least. <laughs> yes. Yes. So just to be able to get up out of bed and I'm already at school, I, I didn't have a problem with it. Um, it was good for me and um, still had those opportunities. We got creative, like for the people who wanted to hang out in my cohort, we would have Zoom hangs and virtual coffee chats and, and all those kinds of things. So it still worked out. And, and I actually really, I really, I hate to 
I prefer it in a lot in some in a lot of ways because of the convenience, because of how you know easy it is. Yeah. Um, sure. So I, I I I was fine with it, but there was also it was also good to go on campus the final year and have that full you know experience on campus. But along the way, this is what I I really would like to say. I was concerned about like all these loans, you know, it's cost six figures a year, whatever, whatever. What people don't fully realize is there are so many grants. There are so many scholarships. You can apply for fellowships. Um, my last year, I paid nothing to go to school. I had oh a full God. fellowship. I got a, a stipend. Amazing. Yes, yeah. I had a stipend. Yeah. They were paying me to go to school. Um, so <laughs> oh I really God. think people should. You think the universe was on your side? I think so. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I'll, just go, I'll say it was God. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think people kind of say no to themselves and come up with all the reasons that they can't try or they shouldn't do something. And really, you don't know how many doors could be opening for you. You know, if you, I, I, a friend of mine told me years ago that fate favors the bold. And like, when you make those decisions, you'll be surprised how things just open up for you and how opportunities just come your way that, that kind of pave the road for you and make it easier. So just try, just see, you know, right. don't be afraid to explore those possibilities for your life. I'm all that about is such that. great. That's so great advice. I love when you started it off with the whole, I wasn't going to be the one to say no to me. I'm going to apply because, because how yeah. many times do we, oh, that person's yeah. not going to let me do that or I'll never get that job or without even exactly. applying. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Like it's so easy to do that. And I think especially, I don't want to say all women, but a lot of women kind of tell themselves, Oh, I, I shouldn't. <laughs> yeah. Or I should put everything else ahead of whatever I, you know, whatever I want to yeah. do. And I, I feel, I honestly feel more now, the better you take care of yourself and the more that you kind of allow yourself to live a full life, the better you can be, the better partner you can be, the better wife you can be, the better mother you can be, because you don't have all these what ifs in your, in your, you know, keeping you from fully feeling the joy that you, that you deserve yeah. to feel. That is sound advice. Also, did you say you were going to college at the same time as your kids? Yes. And it's so funny. Oh, I missed that. <laughs> I thought you were like 30 or something. How old are you? Bless you look like your you're 20. Heart. I'm I mean, not you even don't ask kidding. a woman right her age, by the way. My husband says. When you look this good, I'm going to ask. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yes. My husband says he's 27. So in order for me not to look like. So I was uh, right. I was like, what are you, woman, I guess I'm 26. <laughs> um, I was close. I was one year ahead. Excuse me. I apologize. <laughs> That's funny. I'll forgive you this one time. I didn't uh, realize yeah. like how many people who work on shows, I'm not even sure I would think, oh, I have to get a master's in writing to do this stuff. Is that, is that what it is? It's okay. So you don't have to, but it helps a lot, especially if you're going to a school like USC. UCLA also has a good program, uh, but there are ways like you can be an assistant. You can, if you know somebody who knows somebody or just keep plugging, 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 apply, yeah. get rejected a hundred times. You can potentially work your way up, uh, start out as a writer's PA, and then you could become a writer's assistant or a script coordinator. And hopefully then after a few years of that, you'll be staffed and become a staff writer. And then you start that hierarchy I told you about earlier. Um, but um, I felt like I needed to just kind of reset and make a full commitment uh, to this career path. Also, so funny. Yeah. 
part of my Midwestern and Southern sensibility was, you know, if I get a degree, I can teach, you know, so you can always go back and teach if, you know, and follow spells, you can become a teacher. So, and I love teaching. I love, you know, uh, I was Maybe you'll be teaching a master class. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. You planted a seed, Julie <laughs> I like uh, to do that. <laughs> but, but also, I kind of thought I knew how to write. I optioned screenplays before. I'd done assignments. So I kind of felt like I knew how to write, but I wanted to network and kind of get into the Trojan Mafia, as they call it. And then I thought that having that degree would help me to always have something I could do, like I could teach somewhere. But honestly, when I went to school, I found out there was so much I didn't know. Like you can get by and you can do You can be a good writer, but to really have this opportunity, these two years to kind of isolate and really just refine and hone your craft and just study storytelling. It was a gift I gave myself in a lot of ways. And I had amazing professors who were in the industry um, and just were, I don't know if you know these names right off, but I'll just kind of rattle them off to you um, because maybe somebody who listens will know these names, but yeah. Mary Sweeney, um, who was David Lynch's wife at, for years and then she also was his editor and she was is an amazing professor uh and just really helps you to delve into your your subconscious and bring stories out and bring nuggets oh, wow. of stories out she's amazing um wow. janet bachelor who wrote batman um <laughs> at a certain point and, and has written so many films that have been like blockbusters and, and just uh, huge movies um great with structure i learned so much with her from her regarding structure and how to really put the nuts and bolts of a story together uh, Aaron Rasan Thomas, he was the showrunner for SWAT, and now he is the uh, equity, okay, equity co-partner of BT Studios. But at the time, um, learning wow. from someone like that how to how to write TV uh, series and pilots and how to put those things together and and um, let's see, so many great. I'm telling you, it was just amazing. Ir Irving Belatesh, who like taught us all these secrets to look for. And, and put things together. And he's written a lot of uh, films and, and done a lot of great work. And just like, I could just go on and on. David Isaacs, who's written for Friends and, I'm not Friends, oops, Frasier and Cheers and just all these shows. And he was a chair of our department, but I also was was honored to take a class from him and, and learn from him how to write comedy if I wanted to and how to build in structure and how to tell the truth and hide pain in the comedy. Just wonderful things that you think you know how to write. And then you come across all these people who have just done it on a, on such a high level. Um, wow. and you realize there's so much more to learn. Wow. So, yeah. That um, really makes you dive in the first two names. I recognize the most funny enough, um, oh, Sweeney yeah. and, uh, yeah, not that I'm like, Oh yeah, I know who they are, but I just no, recognize no. the names though. Yeah. I forgot you're Mr. Hollywood. So. <laughs> All right. Spe wait. So speaking of Hollywood, I grew up with, uh, Erica Christensen who has been in oh. a million movies and yes. was in parent, uh, what Parenthood, was your one of Parenthood, my yeah. shows? Yes. Her, definitely. Her first movie was traffic, oh. which was nuts. Oh yeah. I remember yes. That one. Great. Yeah. Actually great film. Yeah. Uh, can you give a brief synopsis how you dig into your subconscious to write? Like, do you do any dream time stuff? Or yes. Do you, yeah. She actually would have us to have a journal at our bedside and we'll wake up in the morning. And it's so funny. I would think I, I don't really dream, but you do. <laughs> and, yeah. and I certainly have been dreaming the past couple of years. Um, but yeah, so I would wake up and just kind of whatever thoughts first came to your, came to my mind, I'd put them in the journal, I'd write them down. Um, she would also do this thing where we would kind of think about our childhood memories, things that really stuck out to us, those highlights of your childhood, like the highlight reel. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and why were they the highlights? And what do you still remember? And what do you wish you could go back and you know relive? What experience of those? And just like journal those things out. Um, who are the people who matter the most to you and why? And like, what are the most vulnerable moments of your life? And when you can actually start to document that, you can start to uh, chart what resonates on a human scale, like universal truths, you know? Um, and so honestly, from that class that I took with, with Mary Sweeney, I wrote a story that really was kind of, um, I know this sounds hokey, but it was kind of a love letter to my brother. He has special needs and um, kind of our relationship growing up and, and all that stuff. I wrote this and it's called Inside Life. And in that, that one screenplay that I thought was so vulnerable um, and so scary to write and to share with other people, I, I made the nickel quarterfinals with that script. I got into the Launchpad Top 50 uh, with that script. I got into Coverfly Top 1% um, with that script. So I think it taught me a lesson on being vulnerable in your writing wow. and not being afraid wow. to like put it on the page. Absolutely. Um, definitely. Wow. But yeah, it's a, a, that's why I say I learned so much. Like it's one thing to know how to tell a story. It's another thing to like dig into yourself yeah. and tell the stories that scare you. And I think if you're not being vulnerable and if you're not afraid of some things that you write, then you're not doing it right. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, it's it's it is it is scary and intense, but yet so therapeutic, I'm sure. Yes. Oh, my. Like beyond Definitely. beyond. Yes. You're probably in the beginning. You're like, oh, my God, I'm scared. Uh, and then in the end, you're like, holy shit, this is actually magic. <laughs> <laughs> this yeah. is like this is incredible. You have hit the nail on the head. Um, wow. because I would actually, there were times when I would like the thought of people of sending the, my pages to these classmates, to my classmates, just a thought of that would like make me kind of shake a little bit, like, oh my oh God. God. <laughs> but then after that, after I've sent it out and I've gotten the feedback from them or whatever, it's such a release and the actual writing of it was just, it just felt so good to like, just to put these things out there and to talk about these things and it. It actually sparked me calling my mom a few times and being like, am I remembering this right? Like, <laughs> it, yeah, feels right. like it feels like something that I could be like just imagining, but she's like, nope, that's what happened. And I'm like, wow. okay. Uh, so there was an incident, just to give you one incident from, from, from the story where my brother, uh, he, was, he had a form of autism. He was nonverbal and we went to a pizza place and he walked up to this guy. He might've been like nine years old at this point if that, maybe he was eight or nine years old. And he walked up to this table. He was always so fast. Like he would go faster than we could keep up with him. And he ran to this guy's table and he just chugged his beer. Um, and the man, I mean, he took it straight to the head. And the man was so angry. And of course, also this is illegal. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> Not Nine-year-old pounding beers. <laughs> um, and the guy was so angry and my mom was like offering to buy him another beer and trying to explain to him, you know, my son has special needs, but um, just experiences like that. And I'm like, did I remember that the way it happened? Because I was so scared. Like this guy was kind of a big burly guy and he was not taking it well, but his drink was gone. Um, but little things like that, that I remembered, like it, it just kind of brought out all these memories. Um, and the more I journaled and, and kind of wrote out and kind of free wrote some of those thoughts the more that would come to me. And so it's actually, even if you're not a screenwriter, I highly advocate just kind of journaling and kind of writing and kind of allowing yourself to feel all those things and process things. Yeah. Yeah. 
processing is everything that's that is so cool wow and it seems like too with your dreams it'd probably be great to write out your because a lot of times your dreams are sort of enhancing what's really going on in your mind so maybe write it out and really start to see what is deep inside yourself yes trying to come out that's trying to come, it's clawing to come out. Yeah, yeah. Let me out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's wild. I do have a question about some writing. Okay. So one thing that frustrates me with a lot of shows, like why do shows or movies have to get so ridiculous? Like everything has to be piled on and piled on and piled. Is it just like people's attention deficit? Like, you know, we were even, I don't know if we call out a show we're just watching, The Boys. Mm-hmm. The show, it's season three is so ridiculous. And I'm just like, this was a great show, but they just have to like top the insanity of the last thing and the last thing. I mean, I'm just going to say anyone listening that in season three, a guy, it's like superhero based. He becomes little and goes inside the anus of somebody. <laughs> <laughs> Note to self, catch up on the boys. <laughs> and I mean, I don't know if this was, this is based off, the show itself is based off an original comic book, but I, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm only using that as a small example, but it's literally something that almost stops me from wanting to write a movie or something because it gets like, why, is that just what they're teaching? Like you got to just pile and pile and pile and pile and pile and pile and like, help me. Yes and no. <laughs> um, if you're writing a feature, you have a lot more latitude when it comes to that, especially if you're just writing it on spec, like you're not, it's not an assignment, you, it's, you know, you're just kind of writing what you feel like writing. That is up to you, how much conflict you build, how much action yeah. you put in, all that stuff. Um, of course, if it's on assignment, you got to do what they're they're asking Telling you, you to, to do. do. Yeah. yeah like, right. okay, so we have a little guy and we have an anus. Put it <laughs> <Go>. together. <laughs> Got it, boss. I'll be back in the morning. Um, (laughs) There's two guys. There's a cucumber and there's a bowl of pasta. Go. (laughs) And you're like, what? And by the way, whatever you do, don't sneeze. That's another another giveaway for that show. Are you serious? Oh, that's a real. It's it's part of the script. Yeah. Oh, wow. It's it's nuts. (laughs) You don't sneeze when you're in someone's anus. That's all I'm going to say. Or just try not to, at least. Be yeah. yeah, be courteous. <laughs> exactly. It doesn't end well if um, someone sneezes. <laughs> your anus. Yeah. Oh this has taken a turn. Yeah. Uh, please continue. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. No, but like on a TV show, you know, um it's different with TV because yeah. um you do you don't want to repeat, you know, from one episode to the next. You don't yeah. want to repeat stuff. So there might be more of a challenge there. Things might get a little crazier as time goes on and as things progress. Um, You ever remember, um, you ever heard of that term, jump the shark? Oh, yeah. From Fonzie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When he jumped over the... uh... They were like, that's the show. The show just went over the shark. (laughs) He did the big motorcycle jump. They couldn't think of anything else to do. So there you go. Um, That's where that term comes from. There are times when you get to a place where you don't know what else to write about. Like you're out of story ideas, you're out of premises, you're out of conflicts and you do something crazy. Like this episode is a musical and that could be fine. Uh, But it comes to that because you can't repeat. You don't want to bore the audience. You don't want them saying, okay, if I want to see this, I would just watch the first season again or what have you. So I think some of it comes from that. The other part of, part of it comes from people don't want to be bored and they have 
you don't really, their attention is not promised. So like you said, um, not just with ADHD, but just with so many options to watch so many things. There's so yeah. many different, you right. know, you have all of your streaming shows, you have cable, you have premium cable, you have, then you have broadcast stuff and there's just so much. And then on top of that, you have things on your phone, you have um, all the uh, apps, the Instagram stuff and TikTok, right. everything's yeah. wanting, it's fighting for attention from the audience. So yeah, you kind of have to make things as exciting as you can and you don't want them to be bored because they could just literally drop out in the first five minutes, in the first 10 minutes. You want to give them something to hang on to and to yeah. keep coming back for. So that's the challenge. And the joy. No, that's right. I But I, I get that. I mean, let's, you know, look at shows like uh, Game of Thrones or Breaking Bad. Like those were intense shows and everybody was incredibly addicted and it lasted what eight to ten years or something same with friends not intense yes. but another okay terrible but hilarious oh example because we still watch are it. you You're gonna, gonna bring it up i'm gonna bring it up gray's, gray's anatomy, anatomy. <laughs> <laughs> not they're going Dude, into season 19. Yes. 19 but i will say yeah there was one point where i was so angry <laughs> at the bats okay okay it was the plane crash that happened and there was one episode left of the season. And it was so funny. I had a friend at the time. She's like, we got to watch that next episode. I go, I don't care who died. I'll find out next season because I'm tired of this crap. <laughs> because it was so ridiculous. I mean, yeah. it got, you know. Again, when a show was on that long, yeah, like you tough. just said it, That's 19 tough. seasons. It's hard yeah. to keep that fresh and going. And yet they've managed. And even I mean, I will have- say, I think they rotated writers. And like after mm-hmm. that batch. I think they got better writers. I yeah, think it's well, still a pretty good show. <laughs> Shonda also s- created Shondaland that wasn't like a thing before. It so is. obviously that being like her, hey, who wants to be a part of this? You could only imagine oh. the writers that she yeah. has. The cr- just uh, it's probably insane. It's probably just some of the best. Yeah. Yes. I, and I'm to your just... no, you're ex- you're absolutely right. And yeah. to your point, Julie, they changed showrunners. Um, I want to say maybe at least maybe twice, maybe more than that in, with Grey's Anatomy. And when you change showrunners, you change the vision because the oh. showrunner is the one who kind of sets the tone. Yeah. And so I think, I'm not sure what season that was with the plane crash, but I, there was a certain point where it was like kind of really down, like not down as far as like, it's kind of depressing. Like a lot of sad stuff was happening. On I think like after the plane crash, a guy came in and was like trying to kill everyone at the hospital. I'm like, guys, yeah. they just survived a plane crash. <laughs> and they brought the fun back. I want to say yeah. the past two or three years, at least two or three seasons, yeah. they've been bringing the fun back to Grace yeah. Anatomy. It's kind of giving it another wind. But yeah, uh, I only got into it what season 11 or 12. So I think the plane crash was season nine or yeah. 10, something like yeah. that, give or take. That's around the slump time that I'm thinking about. Exactly. Yeah. So, and, and once, once that, no, but you're not kidding though, that changeover, it, cause I mean, I would have been like, you know, when no, I, I like, noticed the writing Grey's got Anatomy? better, I mean, it was, oh no, yeah. yeah, but also the cast, the cast was great. The writing for those cast mm-hmm. members, they just like coexist with one another, you know, yes. and it makes sense where before there might've been a couple yeah. characters that you're like, really? I'll tell you though, my hat goes off to the writers uh, in Shondaland because oh they my keep God. just 
I remember where I couldn't do anything else on on certain nights of the week because I had to watch Scandal. I had to watch Grey's Anatomy. I had to watch. I mean, it was like she just had. Oh, How to Get Away with Murder. Oh my oh, gosh. Yeah, yeah. Like oh, so, yeah. she's been banging out the hits for a long time. And then now with her Netflix deal, do you got? Have you guys seen the Bridgertons? Oh, of course oh, we have. My yes. God, are you kidding me? Yeah, we watched yeah. it in about two point five days. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> good. Okay, we're on the same wave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we're obsessed. We're just like, this is amazing. This is incredible. Wow. Oh, I think a lot of people are disappointed in the new season that the sex. Like, I know a friend of mine was like, "Where is the sex?" <laughs> See, I enjoyed this new season. I did. Uh, I, I'm, I'm on the fence. I think it's our. Yeah, I guess I. I mean, I. Yeah, maybe. I was a little concerned at first without the Duke coming back. And I was yeah. kind of like, is he okay, not coming back at all? He comes back a little bit. He, 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 no, he didn't come back. I mean, they talked about him. I know. He it was, it was and I don't yeah. even know. Is it, we watched a couple episodes. This still, did, do we have episodes to watch? I don't even know how much is left. Or did we, no, watch no, the whole we finished season? it. Oh, we finished yeah. the whole season. No, no, that's what I'm saying. But we he watched never came it like, back. He, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I get totally no. confused on. Did we finish that season? I, don't, I, I, I guess know, he so became so popular that I guess he wanted to, you know, do explore other or opportunities. Or, yeah, I mean, That's can't blame him. <laughs> and you don't know, maybe he was dude, in other like... contracts or something. Who knows? <laughs> maybe he was what? I said, you know, sometimes they might be in other contracts because they didn't know that the show was going to be. Oh, yes. Yeah. I think what happened was negotiations kind of. They didn't collapse or anything, but like he wanted to make a certain amount because his popularity. Yeah. Um, and I could be wrong. I'm just I'm just repeating yeah. what and I And the main the main woman wasn't in it much either. Right, exactly. Because yeah. every yeah. season focuses on another Bridgerton. Right. He was only gonna be in a few episodes anyway, if oh. if the articles are accurate. Yeah. So <laughs> I just yeah. I like that we're doing like a TV review. I, yeah, <laughs> right. I know. Let's talk about Bridgerton, guys. Okay. So remember that part. When they showed now, let's get back to you. How long have you yeah. now been writing for the Equalizer? I have we haven't admittedly watched that show yet. I'm gonna have to watch it. Oh, you have to, and, and it's no. easy to go back and watch it on um, either cps.com, like literally on the website. What um, season is it into? Right now, we're working on the third season, but the Very first cool. two seasons were in the same year, so really, last uh winter was season one, this fall and spring was season two. So now we're working on season three. So I graduated last month. Um, oh, and, wow. And I have two daughters that are about to graduate. They're graduating this, this weekend. Oh, cool. Very cool. But I've been working since May 6th. So I've only been working on Equalizing for about a month. Oh, wow. Um, so I've, I've just dated your podcast. No, that's, <laughs> no, that's okay. <laughs> You're welcome. No, no, that's, that's awesome. Congrats to you and your daughters. Um, Thank you. Yeah, that's, that's a huge success. Um, I'm looking it up here real quick. Season one is 10 episodes. Season two is 18 episodes. Wow. Yes. That yes. is a season. All right. Yes. Now, when you get hired, that's all these detailed questions. <laughs> when you get hired for the Equalizer, is it for a couple shows? Is it for a season? Is it like, we'll test you out? It's for the season, but it's also a test. <laughs> yeah. It's I'm a sure, test of yeah. a season. Um, but uh, yeah, so my... I, I'm I'm guaranteed to be on for 20 weeks. And that's basically that's the average or standard writer's contract for television. Mm. That's very cool. 20 yes. I, okay. I mean 20 weeks, think about that. That's that's enough time to be like, hey, I can showcase something for you. Bam. And then they'll yeah. be like, Oh my God, you're incredible. So 
Good luck and yeah, see really you exciting. next season. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I yeah. tell you, one thing I do like about this show, it, it stars like Queen Latifah as the equalizer um, on the on the TV series. And one thing wow. I love about it is the diversity, first of all, behind the camera, like in the room. Uh, we have women. I'm telling you, I've heard so many stories about like there only being one woman in a room or oh, yeah. uh, only one person of color in a room. So I'm yeah, really that's... fortunate to be in this in this room. I think it's amazing. Uh, our, our setup is amazing. The other writers are amazing. The team is amazing. And they cover social justice issues that you don't often see covered, I think, um, in a lot of broadcast network shows. So sure. they, they had an episode last season that was called DWB. And um, I don't know if y'all know what that means, but uh, it means driving while black. Um, oh, yeah. oh, I thought you said DWD and I was going to repeat it because I honestly didn't catch the buh part. Got it. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so it, just that kind of to have those kinds of topics be covered on yeah. primetime on CBS. It's already like to me, like groundbreaking and, yeah. and impactful. Oh, my God. It's absolutely. Great to be a part of, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. I've obviously just to go to the star part of it. I remember when I first saw, oh, what's this? Oh, Queen Latifah? Oh, my God. I got to watch that because, I mean, who doesn't love Queen Latifah? She's hilarious. Oh, I know. She's awesome. You know? She's and obviously so go to, yeah, she's beyond talented. Go to her roots. It's like, seriously, you're an amazing musician. Like, screw that. You you kill it. Acting too? What? Yeah. <laughs> is there nothing you, can, you can't do? Yeah. yeah, no, right. Yeah, she's she is. She's on top of the world. She's a rock yes. star. Okay, uh, before we wrap up, um, you also have, I noticed, a movie uh, called Angie's Spirits. And it's funny that you mentioned growing up with ghosts and you're a writer on this movie, Angie's Spirits, which involves ghosts. Is that true? No, I no. haven't done that. <laughs> is that on my really? IMDb? That's so funny. Maybe, it, uh, maybe it's- Is a, that what it says? Since you're am a writer. I, am I missing it. a paycheck? <laughs> yeah, I think you are. Well, you know what? Maybe it's someone with the same name. It, uh, that happens a lot. It happens often. Um, yeah. So uh, that's probably, probably. I thought it was going. interesting because it was about ghosts at a bar, and I thought you were maybe on there. And funny that. that oh my would god! Actually... No, that is mine. What? Come on! <laughs> you don't no, even said, know. But you're. You said, no, you said Angie's. It's Aggies. It's Aggies. Oh, too. Aggies! I wrote a town. Okay. Um, <laughs> but it's so bad that I forgot that. But um, no, so that's oh actually so that's going to be a great movie, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> no. Oh my gosh, I feel so stupid. No, that's from uh, USC. So there was a class we took there where oh. we got to do the whole thing from writing a sitcom oh. um, and and then seeing all the way through the production. And I was fortunate enough to be promoted to co-showrunner throughout the time. So uh, we went through the whole period of like brainstorming the concept they agreed on a concept that a friend of mine came up with and then we started to work on the on the script we finally got the script figured out and then it goes to the production division and so the production division they had directors they had editors they had producers they had you know hair and makeup they had casting directors all that stuff so we went through the whole process of putting a show together um, that's from cool. concept to to you know and will it actually will it come out is it out it, well, they had a screening of it yeah. and we had the big premiere at school. I don't, I guess it's on USC TV or like they had, they, they control that after yeah. that. So we get to spend a lot of money on tuition to make the uh, class and to make the show yeah. and then they get to own it. So I don't they know. Get to own yeah. I don't know how it all <laughs> That's works. That's how Hollywood so you, works, you, baby. You pay them double. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Also, Aggie, Aggie spirits is with two G's. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I had Angie's written on, yeah, on by I mistake, but later on it says, but I mean, it's, it's a ghost at a bar. Yeah. yeah, it's yes. The premise is that this woman uh, had two daughters, and she ran a bar, and um, she raised them herself, and you know, by herself. I think that's what we decided. And um, she dies, and so when she dies, the the girls don't get along, um, and they are forced. One has become like a social media influencer, and the other one stayed and helped mom with the bar, and she resents having to share the bar with her sister. Um, but then they kind of have to come to an agreement to work together. And, you know, they also work in a relationship along the way. And so it's called spirits because it's a bar, but also she's haunting the bar. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. So, yeah. That's there good. you have the premise okay. of Aggie spirits. <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. It is time in the program for it's five o'clock somewhere where we ask you five quick more questions to uh, get to know you a little bit more. Oh, I'm scared. I'm yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so question number one. This is a little wordy, uh, dear listener. So did you see the movie yesterday or hear about it where the guy knows all how to play all these Beatles songs, but suddenly yes. something happens and no one in the world knows who the Beatles are, but he still knows how to play the songs. So he plays the Beatles songs and everyone thinks he's amazing. Is there any movie that you wish this would happen to you where no one oh remembers who wrote it and you could be like oh yeah, yeah. oh that's so that's tough i wrote i have this new movie it's called shawshank redemption <laughs> about my time and oh my shawshank prison. was one is one of my favorite films it's yeah, funny it's you bring amazing. that one yeah i would say it, w- it would be a cross between shawshank and maybe um the matrix i love the matrix the first matrix one. wasn't are you kidding me the, that was yeah. an incredible Incredible. You see the last a, one. The last one's mediocre. That's gonna put. <laughs> I saw the last one. Yeah. We we're actually looking forward to seeing it. Um, I love Keanu Reeves. Keanu I, Reeves. I always love Keanu. Yeah. But um, yeah. the first Matrix was like to me life altering. Like to see oh, that yeah. and see the possibilities when you go beyond like expectations and exceed expectations and this is cerebral nature of it and yeah. the whole it was just great. I was okay. Uh, question number two. All right. It's late Friday night. You're exhausted, but still have writing to do. What do you grab to help keep you going? <laughs> the way you kind of got into, you're exhausted. I should have been like, it's Friday night. You're exhausted, <laughs> but still have writing to do. What do you grab um, to help? Sorry, go ahead. Uh, coffee. I have this. Uh, you can't see it because I have the blur on. Um, but I have this uh, coffee maker. I can make like like the foam. Eight jugs of coffee. Yes, oh, yeah. So I'll I'm grab some coffee. It. And I normally have red vines on my desk, but I'm trying to trying to cut back on my sugar. But I used to get the big tub, you know, oh, the kind nice. you get from such Smart a Final. Are you kidding me? I grew up on that. My middle name is Smart Final Red Vines Tub. Yes, I go. <laughs> I used to. So, my dad would always grab that, and I'd be like, "Sweet!" And me, him, and my brother, we would just throw it back in a couple nights. That's funny. We're good. Uh, great story, bro. Uh, question number three. So. Um, I am uh, admittedly a Hallmark movie fan. You have Ooh. to write a Hallmark movie. What would it be called? Oh my gosh. It's a little writing assignment we're giving. These you. are excellent questions. Oh, I see. Oh. Um, the Good Mom. I would call it The Good Mom. The Good Mom. I actually thought about this. Uh, I met a lady. Uh, we have a, an exit program at USC where you kind of can like pitch yourself to different producers executives and i knew one of the people going was going to be a hallmark executive like a lifetime hallmark oh, wow. executive. dream and come thought, true 
Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, so there's a thriller side and then there's a romantic comedy side. So I was like, okay, I, on the thriller side, I would let it be a story about a mom and, and dad who have adopted these three kids, but the kids um, want to, they don't, they don't want to be adopted or, you know, they want to go back to their birth parents. And so this is actually based on the true story, I should say. I read it to the paper a long time ago and I can't find it anymore, but I know what happened. And so they had their adoptive parents like uh, arrested and charged with all these horrible things, but they didn't do any of it. And so then as it unraveled, as the investigation unraveled, the police and everybody realized, oh my God, these kids made all this up and they made it look real. Like they were, they were on top of it um, with the logic, but they were also psychopaths. Um, so I thought that would be a great thriller where you're trying to prove your innocence. So I guess I'll call it the good one. Long story short. All right. Nice. Uh, that's good. I dig All right, question it. number four. Yes. All right. Uh, being from Texas, and I'm assuming this, what's your favorite barbecue food in L.A.? In L.A.? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. What's your favorite, <laughs> your bar- question. What's your favorite like- barbecue food in Texas? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> how dare you friday how dare you that was just, rude jason i'm literally trying to think of a good okay there is lucille's in la lucille's barbecue is pretty good here yeah um, there uh, have you had blood sows that... oh my god i can't believe i forgot blood yeah that's, how that's dare you now <laughs> no you're right no that's actually my actual favorite place and the people who run blood sows they yeah. went to texas to learn how to barbecue yeah, how to smoke, good. and they came yep. back with all that goodness. So yes, blood soaks, um, definitely. And if, if I was in Texas, I would say my dad's brisket. He makes the best brisket. Oh. Your dad's? Oh, okay. Yes. All right. When are we coming over? When are you going back? <laughs> when? Hey, don't play, cause he'll 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 get the the, the smoker going. I'm sick. Yeah, I'm just saying. <laughs> so, like, what know, time is Jason showing up? Yeah, I'm going to have to bring my whole band because we are all insane yeah. barbecue lovers. Big. Anytime we tour through Texas, we're like, we're stopping here. We're going there. We're <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, really. When you when you pop through Fort Worth, let me know. All right. And, and he'll he'll give you guys a treat, a feast. Oh, man. My okay. mouth is um, We are at question number five, our final question. Uh, we've yes. learned such amazing things about your journey, the chances you've taken. What do you hope that your journey shows others who are listening? Let me just give you some applause for your questions. This has been great. Thank you. (laughs) So impressed. Not surprised. Um, Honestly, that your timetable and, and your timeline is yours. It's not anybody else's. So you can't go by what other people have done by whatever age or whatever. Your life is your life. And what is for you is for you. Um, and and to me, that's kind of been something that's kind of kept me going at times when it's like, man, this person's 23 and they've already, you know, sold three movies. <laughs> it's like, yeah, oh my gosh, that's a huge one. Yes. Right. Yeah. But but those are, are, they tend to be anomalies, you know, and but we hear about those and it can be kind of, you know, discouraging. But if you have a passion and a purpose for whatever it is you want to do, just be true to that and you'll have joy. You know, it'll make just knowing that you're doing what you're meant to do, what you were born to do, whether you get acknowledged on the worldwide stage or not, whether or not you, you know, make a lot of money from it, doing what you were born to do can just be so, it can just be so joy producing. 
Um, So I would tell people to never let age get in the way, never let any kind of demographic get in the way, never let anybody telling you that you're just, you know, you're not good enough get in the way because if it makes you happy and if it brings you joy, you have the right to do it. As long as you're not hurting anybody. Yeah, of course. Well, now you, if you, now you get a, a, yeah, you that get was a, a great answer. Now. That was a great <laughs> Thank answer. You. I mean, you said be true to yourself. That you, that's just that's it. You know, like yes. stop there. You're done. You just yeah. explosion. Oh, like that was perfect. Yeah. It, it, thank you. And I will tell you, the thing that people said would be so hard, was, like I said, being a woman of color in Hollywood, is one of the things that I think at this moment, like people want to hear the authentic stories and voices that they haven't been hearing. Um, yeah, so it's, sure. if I had stopped, I would have missed this moment. Yeah, you, know? so. you were ready um, for thank it. Thank you. No, absolutely. Yeah. Seriously. It's all about being ready for that moment. Oh my God, exactly. that's a beautiful exactly. thing. Well, thank you, Vanessa Heron. You've been an amazing guest. I loved hearing your story. We went way longer than I normally would go, uh, but it was such a great, I loved everything about it. Well, the uh, first half was your episode. Oh, right. (laughs) Oh, that's why I loved it. I was going to say, yeah, hey, don't forget. Having a great time talking about myself. Episode (laughs) number 87. Uh, Your host is Slater and your guest is Slater. (laughs) Slater, Slater, Slater. It's been oh, so good funny. to catch up with you, Julie. So yeah, good to you talk too. to you again. Awesome. Yeah. And we wish you all the greatest work. Uh, and we will tune in to The Equalizer. When can we expect the episodes you've written? Well, the new season's going to start in the fall. I'm not sure of the exact start date for the seasons. All that's still being worked out. Yeah. But I would encourage you to watch the whole season because Four, um, yeah. One yes and, two. and just because also in the writer's room we're all working on each other's stories all the time like we're breaking stories together all the time so just watch it all julie <laughs> <Dana>. <laughs> that is all right cool. thanks so much uh great having you on and uh thanks for living your dreams because you have to thank you so much thank you guys for having me yes we had a blast thanks for coming on bye julie bye friday bye Welcome to the Afterpod, where we talk about our guests after they leave the room. Vanessa Heron, I, I'm going to say we we worked together at KFI, but uh, I didn't. We didn't really know each other that well. You know, I was a part time fill in person, so I was just. And then you you go in, you go in the news uh, anchor booth, and yeah. you kind of chat with people a little bit. So it was really really great. Gosh, you know, I'm really we're really coming across such amazing guests. Like I'm, I'm excited that they're coming on, but then they also even surprised me more than I thought. Like, oh wow, you you even have more energy, more a great story. Right. I just thought, oh wow, you know, when I had she had posted something on Facebook, you know, like wow, I went and lived my dreams and got my masters, and I think she, maybe she mentioned she was working on the Equalizer, and I was like, oh, you should be on our podcast. So it really. Gosh, it's so refreshing. I just feel like, and then I feel like our guests are just spewing out all the things that we have talked about and and about living your dreams and about not worrying about other people. And, and, and really it's obvious with our last couple guests about having a huge support, someone behind yeah. you going, you know what, you can do this because it's helpful. Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes, I mean, you know, someone's got to have your back because you're taking a big risk true even if they're just like you know i'll be here for you know some mental support right i mean you know we got to give ourselves credit too because hello we're the ones asking questions we're the ones making things in the right direction but seriously though it you're not wrong everybody's 
stories are so and and i mean i i knew nothing about either of vanessa's besides like oh yeah she she makes cakes and she so she's other a ones a writer <laughs> and and like dropped everything to go back to school for writing and i even said it in the other episode i was like wow okay but just talking to her about everything that she's doing yeah. i'm like oh my god that's not just going back to school to be a writer that's right. like that, that's like going that's, to writer's boot camp no i seriously that's like dropping Holy everything and dedicating moly. your life i'm guessing yeah. for two years and four kids what and ha- i mean i, I a she lot of people is... use their kids i mean i'm not one to say i don't have children but people use their kids and as, as an excuse like well yeah. i can't do it i got these kids but you know you see people who go to medical school and they are having a baby and right. still keep going and i'm not you know it's not easy but no but i'm just saying you gotta look at the excuses you make for yourself and oh i love just love like i already said about don't don't let yourself say no like yeah. ask right. i mean there's been times i've caught myself in my own life in the past where i'm like well i mean i can't do that because of this and then someone else says well did you try I mean, I yeah. don't know if I told this story once. Back to me, Friday. <laughs> I remember I had a job on Long Island as a DJ, yeah. and I got a job in, in New York City, which is the number one market in the country. Yeah. And this girl said to me, how did you get that job? It's like, I sent them in my tape and my resume. And I looked at her, I'm like, and did you that's... do that? And no, she didn't, because she was intimidating. <laughs> It's like, you got to send it in. It's kind of like lottery tickets. You right. got to buy them. Intimidation overpowers, yes. sadly. And it, and it shouldn't. It, you should just be like, Why absolutely is it intimidating not, no to just way. submit your stuff? Yeah, who cares? You know, because everybody creates something, some, some yeah. bullshit story that's yeah. like so not true at all. So not only did Vanessa get accepted into a yeah. school she thought, no way. Right. She got scholarships and yeah. fellowships. For last way, year, too. she didn't even have to. Could you imagine if she knew? She could. She didn't have to pay for it. And these are like renowned schools. Hello, USC, UCLA. Like you, you know, like it, that's insane. <laughs> that's insane. No, she is. Uh, that I was a take treat. A sip of my drink. No kidding. I know. I'm so thirsty. Oh, it's not. It's not clinging as much. Oh. Oh, uh, no, right. that was a great. I think we wrap this up. This is a very lengthy. I'm like, as we're talking to her, I'm like, do we make this a two-parter? It's very lengthy. But I don't know about anybody else, but I'm super intrigued by writing. And I got a lot of answers. I learned a lot myself about yes. a lot of the things I was curious about. Absolutely. She did say, I meant to ask her this. I forgot. She did say the South and Midwest. Where did she live? Hmm. No. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, okay, guys, that was another another great episode. If my numbers are right, that was episode 88. And um, wow, I'm I'm floored by our last few guests. Yes, that impactful beyond. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. it's 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 unbelievable. It's been really great. And and it, you know, she said it warms her heart for certain things. These guests are warming my heart and making me really, really, really feel you know, it's 88 episodes in, but this is like a really important, like what we're doing is really, it's, it's so great to get these stories out there. 
yeah. to get people's messages of how they just went for it and they really you know they face their fears and they're just doing it and it, it's great it's great to be any part of this it's, it's just yeah. amazing so thank you guys for listening absolutely yeah the truest thing is the accomplishments that overpower any fear and it makes yeah. fear the size of like a little ant and the accomplishment is that's right all right, guys, thanks for tuning in, and uh, we will see you next, next time, next week. That's right. Love you guys. Thanks for listening to the Cuz I Have To Podcast. Find us on Instagram at Cuz I Have To Podcast. Tell your friends about the pod and share an episode on your socials. We'd love to hear from you, too. Email us at Cuz I Have To Podcast at gmail.com. Keep living those dreams, friends, because you have to. Till next time. <laughs>